I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the pastor here. On behalf of my wife, Jessica, and the rest of our team, just want to say we're so glad that you're with us today. Specifically, if you're here for the first time, so grateful that you joined us. So much so that down the hallway past the coffee bar, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. Some of our lead team is back there to answer any questions you may have, tell you more about the church, get you connected directly, and uh, we would love that opportunity. Uh, You have my word. We're not going to try to sign you up or enroll you for anything. It's just our way of saying hey and getting you a free gift. Also want to welcome everybody watching online. So grateful that you joined us on online today. I want to let you know that you can use the chat section. Help me preach the sermon. Be a part of what God is doing. Let us know that you're watching. So grateful that you're a part of it today, whether it be Facebook or YouTube, uh, however you're with us. But today is a really, really super important, special day. Uh, As you know, we got snowed out last week, but we're going to make up for it today. And um, today is Volunteer Appreciation Sunday. Give it up for our volunteers. We also, we wrap that into the same time, we wrap that into the anniversary of our church. It's actually uh, the 10-year anniversary of this church. That's what X means. And so it's our 10-year. Yeah, give it up to God for that. And so uh, I just want to share something about it being 10 years. You know, it's a funny thing when you begin to define what fruit looks like. You know, 10 years is a long time. And, uh, you know, you look over the course of 10 years and you would go, well, what is success in a church? You know, is it a lot of people coming? Is it uh, maybe maybe you've acquired land, you've built multiple buildings, you know, maybe you started a school. Like, like what, is, what is success? And I can tell you this, most people, when they ask me about my church, our church, they get it wrong. Most pastors, most people, uh, whether we're talking to other ministries or we're considering partnering with other things, People say, oh, tell me about your church. And, oh, we're a church plant. We, we planted in 2014. And say, oh, that's great. And then they say, uh, first question always, well, how many people come to your church? And I say, well, it depends because you have Creaster, which is Christmas and Easter people. <laughs> if you take that number, it's a lot bigger than the regular number. And then you have summer crowd and winter crowd. And then you have, it depends who's playing in sports and what, you know, all these different... <laughs> And then we tell people the number that we have and they say, oh, wow, 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 you guys are really doing it. You must feel really blessed that that many people come to your church. And I know what they mean. They mean well because statistically, the average church in America is 78 people total in declining every year, 78 in declining. So it's easy to look around our community and say, well, we're maybe not as big as them or as big as that or as big as that. But the reality is like, you are still a part of a miracle right now. Like this church, what you're experiencing is a move of God in America, okay? And so people say, wow, like you must feel so blessed that you have that many people coming to your church. And I do, but that's not what blesses me about this church. What blesses me about this church is what this church is. And this church is a place that when people's marriages hit the wall, this is a place where those people can come and say, I need help. And you surround them quickly and begin to not judge them, not hold a scorecard against them, but you then begin to love them. How many know what I'm talking about? When I look over the course of 10 years, I know that there's stories in this room of people who should be divorced. But because the church came in and loved them and surrounded them and spoke over them, those are the stories that bless me about this church. Or we don't really like to talk about these kind of stories, but these are the things that bless me about this church are when marriages 
they don't make it. Where, where devastation actually happens inside the marriage. And people say, oh my gosh, look at what happened to them. Did you hear that story? And we don't, we don't be those people who begin to gossip and share. Instead, we say, hey, did you hear what happened? We must rush to their side and help them through this painful experience. We must check on them. We've had significant services, large crowds, people in overflow, all those kind of things. But some of my most meaningful days as a minister are when someone's going through great pain and I call them up and say, hey, God put you on my heart today. How you doing? And they say, I'm not doing good at all. I say, I know. That's why God told me to call you. And they get to be honest with me and say, I'm not doing good at all. I'm barely holding on. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to cry together or are we going to cuss at the devil today? Which one? I'm up for both. I got a big old list of swear words I'm ready to get through right now. Which one are we going to do? I'm talking about authenticity. That's what blesses me about this church. What blesses me about this church is when kids who struggle with hunger on weekends, they show up to their locker every Friday. They don't just receive food. They receive love and they receive hope and they receive compassion and care from people who've prayed for them and rallied for them and meets their need. That's way greater than any packed out service. Are you with me? What blesses me about this church is kids who struggle with getting attention and encouragement and the love and the care that they need, whether maybe at home or, or maybe in their school environment, but instead crazy people sign up and say, during my week, I'm going to make time to go to the school and mentor them. I'm going to, I'm going to forego my lunch hour. I'm going to eat a bologna sandwich real quick on the way, and then I'm going to go serve in Kids Hope. Oh, you guys don't eat bologna? Is that yeah. <laughs> Just took it away from me, too. First thing in marriage, bologna out the window. these crazy people give up lunch hours and their own time without pay to go sit with some of the harder students in these schools so that they know that people care about them and pay attention to them. That's greater than packing any kind of service. Are you with me today? thought about these crazy setup teams, people that worked all week long. And then on their Sunday mornings in, in the horrible of winter, they wake up early and they drive here and they stomp out in that snow and they put flags in the ground and they begin to set all these different kind of things up. Why? Because they want to set the table so that people can come in and eat of the goodness of God in this house. Yeah. That blesses me more than any kind of packed out service. Are you with me? Yeah. What about our kids programs? Packed out services are great, but what about all these kids that either fight to get on the elevator or run ahead of their parents on the stairs? <laughs> What about those kids that get to make godly friendships? They get to hear of the stories of God for the very first time. If someone asks me what really blesses me, those are the things that really bless me about this church. Or what about when we pray? We come together on a Saturday morning and we join together and we go up in that second floor sanctuary and people begin to lift up all the burdensome prayers that they have in their life and in their heart. And it gets real heavy in that room. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You hear this person struggling with cancer. This person has a wayward son or daughter. This person has this, this, all these different things going on. By the time we take all the requests, you can feel the weight in the room. But then there's people that are in that room to say, hey, it's time to go before God so that with God, we can lift this load off your shoulders. Yeah. That blesses me more than any numerical number we could put in this building. Yeah. I thought about when 
terminal diagnoses happen, someone gets a report from a doctor that says, this isn't going to go good for you. This is going to be an end for you. This is going to be death for you. Instead, those people get to come to faith-filled places like this and say, nah, we're going to believe the report of the Lord. We're going to believe what God's word says is true. Are you with me? And then sometimes that doesn't work out the way we want it to. And instead, those same people rally around those people and say, this isn't what we wanted. But guess what? God still loves you and he's for you and he's good. And we're not going to leave your side until you're back on your feet. How many know what I'm talking about? That's the church that blesses me. Or moments like this where, where worship is happening. We get to come in. And we get to worship and give adoration and sing and songs go out and people in the room hear a certain lyric or they hear a certain line and it gives them hope. It speaks to their heart and it helps them carry through. Those are the kind of moments. That's the kind of church that blesses me. When someone like Emma can sing through brokenness, not because this is a place of perfection where you have to get it right and hit every note and make it all perfect. No, this is a place of authenticity modeled. Can I get an amen today? No perfect people allowed here. Can I get an amen today? This is the kind of church that blesses me. Are you with me today? And then a church that is so generous. Steward, you steward your finances so well that we as a church are able to give to every good cause. When God puts something in front of us, we rally and we give generously. That is the church that blesses me. And so I'm just up here to say all of that, to say thank you. So blessed by you, so blessed by those of you that serve, because we live out this passage, John 15, 13, there is no greater love than those who lay down their lives for their friends. And that's what you do, and that's what this church is made up of. Amen? Let's give it up to God for that. So we got a gift for you. Those of you that volunteered throughout 2023, we got a little thank you upstairs in our second floor sanctuary. You'll see a bag there. It'll have your name on it. It's all in alphabetical order um, because our team is psycho like that. And so (laughs) I pointed directly at team, meaning like my wife, my wife. And and so that is all up there. Don't you dare get it out of order. Don't you dare. She is back there. A Glock on her crock. She's ready if you. But uh, second floor sanctuary, we'd love for you to pick those up on your way out. Amen. And then lastly, I know I got a lot to cover because God's moving in a great way. And so uh, last thing before we jump into the sermon, we are so, so fortunate to have a really incredible guest speaker next week. He's a friend of mine, Pastor Robbie Emery. I met Pastor Robbie, I think in 2016. He moved up from Houston, Texas to start a church in Royal Oak, Michigan. And uh, I said, hey, bud, like, I would love to help you. He's also an ARC church planter. And I said, hey, whatever we can do to help. And so we kind of like rushed some things before he started his church and gave him a bunch of advice. And we've been friends ever since then. But God did a really crazy thing in his life. Um, He was connected to a football player in Houston who transferred to Michigan in 2016-ish. And that player said, hey, Pastor Robbie, would you do a little Bible study at the university? And Robbie was like, of course. And was saving a whole bunch of time. A miracle has really broke out with the football team and through Robbie's ministry. It started as just a little thing. It's sort of a Joseph story. It started as a little thing and God has raised him all the way up. He's now Jim Harbaugh's personal assistant, at least for now, but uh, (laughs) praying that that continues. 
But let me show you some of the fruit that Pastor Robbie uh, has done. Check this out. First slide. Well, they won a national championship. Come on, let's go. Let's go. All right, all right. But he's gotten unbelievably close to the players. Here he is with Blake Corum, uh, star running back. This is after the Ohio State game. They spent some time together. You might not know this. During the Rose Bowl weekend, the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, next slide, actually got baptized. Got baptized. 70 of the Michigan Wolverine football players were baptized this year. 70. As a matter of fact, Jim Harbaugh was just at a March for Life rally in D.C., and they were interviewing him, and he said that to Fox News and everybody. He said, oh, our team is experiencing spiritual uh, move and 70 of our players got baptized. Unbelievable. One of the things he does every single game, go to the next slide, is it's kind of weird because he climbs up on a ladder, but there's a couple hundred of every player's parents gather around in this little place and Pastor Robbie jumps up on this ladder and preaches a pregame sermon and then prays with all of them. And it's so bizarre because, you know, you walk past like keggers and tailgates <laughs> to get to here and, and then they're praying and preaching. And it's like the parents uh, of the players. So God is just using them mightily that way. You'll see images like this all throughout the game. Once you kind of get to recognize Robbie, you'll see him all over the game. Here's an injury that happened and Robbie just grabs him right up and begins to pray with them. Listen, this is the national championship game. Check out this next one. That's not two or three players praying before the game. And if you've listened to any interviews out throughout the year, Blake Horn, a bunch of different players are giving glory to God. Um, Jim Harbaugh himself, as the national championship confetti is falling, he says, the Holy Spirit guided us this year. Wow. Yeah, through all the false accusations. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but here they are in the locker room. Here they are in the locker room. You see Robbie's head kind of sticking out right there, praying with the players beforehand. And so listen, you might be like, I hate Michigan. I can't stand the Wolverines. I'm skipping next week. Don't do it. Don't do it. The whole thing is not going to be about Michigan. I asked him just to share a little bit in the beginning, but he's a great preacher. He's actually brought in to help us close out the Seek series in a really powerful way. So if you know a Michigan fan, use that to invite him. Say, Jim Harbaugh's personal assistant is going to be here sharing about the team, but then I believe they're going to be touched and impacted by his sermon. Amen? Amen. All right, let's do it. Let's pray, and we're going to jump into the sermon. God, we love you so much. So grateful for today. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you're already encouraging and uplifting and inspiring us this morning. But God, I pray that we get more of you. As we look at your word and look at your truth, God, I pray that you encourage us, guide us, speak to us. Um, we know that's what time with you does. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you a little bit about fasting, but then I want to speak to you a little bit about seeking and what it means to seek. I do want to say this to you. If you're here and now we're past halfway fasting, but if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I don't think I have the call of fasting on my life. I don't have the gifting for fasting. Maybe you're this many days into it and you're like, this isn't for me. This must be for somebody else. I don't have the gifting of fasting because this is really hard. Guess what? It's supposed to be really hard. I'm here to encourage you in that. Like if it's awful and you feel terrible at it, you're doing awesome. You're nailing it. You're actually nailing it. Uh, we're at that part in the fast where it's like stuff you don't even care to ever eat just because you haven't had it, anything like it, you want it. Like we were in Five Below. Put the kids in there, just had an appointment, so we ran in the next store, and the kids are all in there in the candy section. They're not eating candy, they're fasting, but they were picking out how to break the fast candy. And they're walking around in there, and I'm telling you, trashy stuff look good. Like black licorice. <laughs> I was like, oh Lord, how about like like you though like you know, 
obviously a good God-fearing Christian with any kind of spiritual maturity knows that a Twizzler is way better than a red vine. Can I get an amen? What kind of idiot chews on those waxy, nasty red vines? But in that candy, oh boy, this is the new pineapple debate. I just stepped in it. This is the new pineapple. Okay, all right, we settled it. But I'm in that store going like, I might even eat a red vine. And it could be stuck in my teeth for eight years, but it just, you know, like... But if fasting's hard, if this is really affecting you, then you're doing it right. Because the purpose of fasting is to remind us of like, we're the weak ones, he's the strong ones. We can't do this life on our own. That's why we have to depend on him and call on him. And fasting, nothing more reveals it than than fasting, our dependency on God. And so I encourage you, stick with it. You are called to it. You are able to do it. Some people say, I don't even think I'm going to ever fast again. I started fasting and then life started going crazy. All this bad stuff started happening. All this turmoil happened. Like it got all bumpy. Everything was going fine until I started fasting. Well, Charles Spurgeon says it this way. When the devil is not troubled by us, he doesn't trouble us. So it's probably a good sign if things got bumpy when you started fasting because now you've shown up on his radar. Are you with me today? And so fasting is so great because it calls us and it leads us into, hey, I can tell in my flesh that I can't do this. And it reveals to us how much we need to depend on him and know him and call on him. Are you with me today? Title of my sermon today is True Seekers. True Seekers. There was this movement that started in the early 2000s in churches. Um, I'm going to be 41 coming up here in March, but I was in full-time ministry at a really young age. So about 18 years old, I went into full-time ministry. And so I've, I've been around enough to see like the different fads and movements come into church. And in the early 2000s, there was the seeker-sensitive movement. Seeker-sensitive And if we look back on it now, it was really like church's way of giving away participation trophies and everybody wins, right? And so so the seeker sensitive movement was like, hey, we got to be aware in these environments that like some people are are trying to seek and, and they're trying to find their way. And so we can't say anything that would make someone feel uncomfortable because they they're seeking and we wouldn't want to disrupt their seeking. We can't say anything that might look at or point to or offend the lifestyle that they're living. We can't ask them to do anything because they're seeking. We got to be careful in this seeker sensitive movement that we can't ask them to do anything. We can't ask them to give anything. We can't ask them to join anything that you're doing as a church. We got to be seeker sensitive. You can't acquire about their lifestyle. You have to leave them alone to seek. Which is so weird because Jesus, anytime people asked of him, like, hey, what is this all about? What does it look like to follow follow you? What does it look like to, to live the way you've called us to? And he's like, take up your cross, die to yourself. The rich young ruler's like, hey, I see. I'm I'm seeking. I'm seeking. I see Jesus. I see what's going on here. Like, like how can I be a, a part of your movement? And Jesus wasn't seeker sensitive. He said, oh, oh, you want to do this? Go sell everything you have. Get rid of all of yourself and follow me. And so the trouble with this seeker sensitive movement is people weren't really seeking God. They were seeking their own version of God. 
don't tell me anything. Don't show me anything. Don't, don't try to change anything about me. I'm not dying to self. I want to do it my own way. And so I'm not really seeking God. I'm trying to seek what I can make of your God work for myself. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And it was such an injustice that we called them seekers because they, they weren't really seekers because they were set in their way. These types of people that begin to enter the church were like, you're not going to change me. I'm set. I know the way. I know the truth. I, you understand what I'm talking about? They weren't seeking God. They were seeking their own version of God. John chapter four, verse 23 says this, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, Another translation of it is authentic worshipers, real worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of the worshipers the Father seeks. True seekers, they mean it. Back to what I just said a minute ago. They're willing to take up their cross, lay down their lives, sell all of themselves to follow God. Those are true seekers. And so with a little bit of time I got left today, I got two points for you, two things that I feel like hold people back from being true, authentic seekers. People could come sit in my office and say, pastor, like, what does it take to be real seekers? Like, what would be the stumbling block as we're in this seek series? What would be the stumbling block to being a true seeker, a true worshiper? And I brought two quick ones that I see holding people back from being able to really seek God. Uh, It's this, the true seekers do two things. The first one is this. True seekers seek God together. Together. I don't care where you come from or where you've been, and we talk about this a lot as a church, but there's no such thing as somebody saying, I'm a Christian, I love God, I'm a follower of God, but I'm going to do it all by myself. God created us to be in community. God created us to seek together. Why do you think all throughout Scripture... God said, these people, those people, this group, this village, this town, these people. And Jesus, the first thing he did when he came and he showed up on earth and began his ministry, he went and got what? Followers, people, disciples. Why? So he could multiply the togetherness of his ministry. This whole thing is all about community. Proverbs 11, 14, the New King James Version says this, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. If you could boil down the seeker-sensitive movement, the two things that the seeker-sensitive movement really wanted, what the people really wanted about their style was they wanted isolation and they wanted to hold on to their past. We'll get to that in just a minute. But they wanted isolation. Hey, don't make me feel uncomfortable. Don't get in my business. Don't look at me. I want to do this all by myself, all on my own. But the scriptures, that's not the way that we do it. It says where there is no counsel, where there is no people in your life, you will fall. You're going to fall. And so this year, as you're seeking God, one of the ways you have to seek God is you have to seek God together with his people. And Sunday morning is a great way to do it. But upper room sessions is another great way to do it. And Saturday morning prayer is another great way to do it. And a really great way to seek God together with people is to get involved in the church. I'll tell you this, people say, hey, how do, how do I get, pl- like, how do I be a big part of the church? How do I get plugged in? Like, how do I get to meet people and feel strong and have great relationships? I'm like, join a team, begin to serve, be a part of what God is doing in a team. Can I get an amen? Lone wolves, write this down, lone wolves die. I said, no, man, I'm a lone wolf. When you get away from the pack, you're not going to make it. Scripture tells us it, and life lessons tell us that. 
I wrote it down like this. The goal isn't to find people who will agree with you. The goal is to find people who will find what is wise for you. A lot of times in my life, I'm, I'm making decisions. Whether it be something about this church or something about my own life or something we're going to make purchases on or maybe a staff hire, all these different things that we have going on. And I'll call out to all different kinds of people who I consider to be wise counsel. And sometimes I will keep calling and keep calling different people until I finally find somebody who disagrees with me. Because if all I do is just call up people who agree with me, then I might not have wise counsel. Can I get an amen? You say, well, no, 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 don't worry. I, I do talk to people about it. Yeah, the same people who agree with you every single time. Find somebody who can challenge you. Find somebody who can pull the wisdom out of something. Can I get an amen today? Far too many people miss what God has for them. You're stepping into and you're seeking. Far too many people miss or they sacrifice and lose their purpose because they sell it for popularity. I just need people to like me and agree with me and I don't want to trouble the waters and I don't want to, and so I just want to do everything that keeps everybody happy and, and you miss what God ultimately has for you because you sold out for popularity. It's not about people pleasing. It's about getting wise counsel in there that says, hey, I know this is going to be hard for you. You're talking to some wise counsel and they say, look, I know this is going to be hard for you to do and you might lose your popularity, but it's wise for you to do it this way. And that's what church does. And that's what this community does. And that's what the seeker sensitive movement didn't want. They said, oh, no, no, keep people out. I don't want people in my business. I don't want people looking into my stuff. I don't want to answer altar calls and do all those kind of things. I want to keep it the way it is. But lone wolves die. Can I get an amen today? Proverbs 19, 20 and 21 in the ESV says this, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You can have a whole bunch of great plans this year. In my mind, I got all these plans, the plans of man, but it's only the purpose of the Lord that will stand at the end of 2024. Don't get plans in your head. Get the purposes of the Lord in your head and in your heart. Are you with me today? And so it's important for us to be in community. That's what community helps us do. Here's the reality. None of us are as good as all of us. No, man, I'm good. I'm sharp. You should see me lead. I'm good. I can, I can do this on my own. No, no, no. None of us are as good as all of us. We're better when we're together. Can I get a good amen today? We're better when we're all together. We're going into this Seek series unified. That's why we're on a 21-day fast together. That's why we're reading through the Bible in a year together. That's why we're going to upper rooms together. All of these things are putting us together because when we're all together, that's the best. The most valuable player is the one that makes the most players valuable. Yeah. Now, man, I can do my own thing. Watch me start my own podcast. I'm going to do my own thing. No, no, no. Can you be a player who make all the other players valuable? Yeah. That's the heart and the purpose of this church. And that's how God wants us to seek him together. Are you with me? Yeah. Second point is this. We must seek ahead. We must be a people who seek what's in front of us. Isaiah 43, 18 says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That's two times this passage has called you to see something. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know what the scripture is saying? It's possible for you to miss what God is doing. 
That's why we have to seek ahead and be looking that God is doing something. Two times in this scripture, it says, hey, don't miss it. I'm doing something new. Do you perceive it? Do you notice it? Can you see it? I'm doing something new here. You have to perceive this. Don't miss it because God is the God who does new things. Uh, One of the worst things as a pastor, and if you've done this, I'm not judging you. You might've done it to me. But one of the things that makes you as a pastor go like, oh boy, here we go, is when somebody comes to the church for the first time and they say, hey pastor, um, I want to talk to you. Like, oh, hey, good to meet you. Yeah, yeah, I'm new here. Um, I just want to let you know, um, at my old church, we used to, and they begin to bring up the old. And I always want to right away and say, hey, that's cool, but God brought you here because he's doing a new thing. (laughs) He's doing a new thing. Can you perceive it? (laughs) He's doing a new thing. Can you see that? Because you're not there anymore. You're here. And, And it's with a kind heart that people come. And sometimes they come out of hurt. They come and say, pastor, at my old church, uh, I was hurt this way. And because I was hurt this way at my old church, this is how I now perceive your church or how I perceive you or how I perceive other church people. And, and so that happens. Or sometimes they come and say at my old church, that was a big deal and you need to know it. And I say, well, God's doing a new thing. And it's not with you. <laughs> but, but it's a huge hindrance. Cody's like, that's real talk. <laughs> you okay, bud? <laughs> but he's doing a new thing. But it says, don't you perceive it? God is doing a new thing. We, if we're seeking God, we have to seek ahead. We can't be looking behind all the time. We have to be looking ahead. God is doing a new thing. And I know hurts happen. And I know things like that are struggles and they're real. And it's, it's not something that you can just ignore and throw away. But I would encourage you in this. Don't stop dreaming just because you had a nightmare. Yeah, stuff happens that scares us. But you don't stop dreaming because you had one nightmare. You keep dreaming. Uh, Cody was alluding to it. He didn't know any of these points today, but he was talking about his revelation about the new vessels. And um, we, I'm I'm being very open and honest with you right now. Um, We have some illegal activity in our life, Jess and I, and um, our family actually. Um, we buy raw milk. <laughs> That's against the law, actually. <laughs> and it's this really weird, it's this, I, I mean, I could talk about it for a long time. I'm getting somewhere with this. It's spiritual, I promise. <laughs> but it's this really weird thing. You have to like sign a deal with the farmer and then, and then you have to like bond with the cow. And so you go there and you both eat from the same pasture <laughs> And then you have like skin to skin with the cow with like music on. Uh, we accept the same brand. Like I have a brand that the cow has branded on them too. And, um, and so we do that. And then it's very far. You can't get illegal milk from the same town you live in. So you have to drive far away to go get it. And then when you're driving home, a cop like is on the road and then you get nervous and sweaty like all oh, the milk's in the car. Oh. And so... I said all that to say, raw milk is like a big deal in our house, okay? And every morning, every single morning, the kids have to drink the raw milk. And and they're good with it. They do it. But sometimes Callie, our little party, she doesn't drink it all right at the table because she wants to be in 100 million other places. And so she'll take that cup of raw milk to somewhere else in the house. And then she forgets about it. 
Yeah, gross, right? Oh, so it's this raw milk. And we're very big on like, are you drinking your water? And so we got like all throughout the day, you keep the one cup because how many kids like to get out 700 cups. And so we're like, hey, bring us the one cup back that you're supposed to be drinking out of today. And sometimes she'll bring the raw milk cup back and just give it a quick dump out and then bring it over for water. Or like, no, Callie, gross. No way, Callie, are we going to do that? That's been sitting out. That's old. And so many of you take your old, dirty cups to God. And you're like, I want what's new. He's like, no, gross. Let me cleanse that in you. Let me get rid of that in you. Let's make that new so that you can enjoy all of my refreshness in the intense that it is that he has for us. Let's get that better. You, you need all of this. Are you with me today? I'll close with this. I just blended two things. Are you with me today? I'll close with this. <laughs> my raw milk's kicking in. Yeah. Illegal, too. If you ask me about it, I'll deny it. We're scrubbing it from Facebook right now. Doug's already on it. Don't stop dreaming because you had a nightmare. Don't stop dreaming because you had a nightmare. God wants us to go ahead. I know there's stuff in the past that hurts and we've got all these scary nights and all these certain times, but God's promise to us is that his plans ahead are so much greater than you could ask, think, or imagine. But if we, if we don't get healing, the reality is we will repeat what we don't repair. Let's, let's get healing. You say, why does this keep happening? Why does this cycle go again and again and again? Because if you don't heal it, it keeps happening. If you don't deal with the trauma of your past, your friends, your family, and children will have to deal with it in their future. Some of God's greatest, some of life's greatest setbacks are actually God's greatest setups. But we just have to trust him that what he has ahead for us is better. Can I get an amen today? So for you, today, right now, is either one day or it's day one. You're either going to be the person right here leaving is like, I'll get to that one day, looking ahead and going after God. One day I'm going to get around to really pursuing him with my life. Or today right now is day one where you're seeking him and believing him. It's your decisions, not your desires that determine your destiny. Let's make some decisions to seek and pursue God this year with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, all our strength. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you love us and lead us. God, I pray that you help us to do this. Holy Spirit, you are our empowerer. Help us do this and live this out in a way that brings you and your kingdom glory. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.